events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. What is biblical balm, and is it prophetic? Israel's burgeoning relationships with Cyprus, Greece, and Saudi Arabia are definitely prophetic, and Elon Musk is the latest to drive down that same old road of hate, or is it? Those are just some of the stories we'll discuss as we explore the signs of the times, our weekly look at Bible prophecies in the world's news for Friday, September 8th, 2023. Our sponsor, Bob Johnson Insurance, A full-service independent agency featuring Erie Insurance products can ensure you on the same old roads you drive every day. For a personalized, no-obligation quote, you can contact them by phone at 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. Listen, watch, or do both with any of our previous shows. Share old or new episodes with your peeps. And as always, you can ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question by hitting us up at thewaymedia.net, then click Signs of the Times. You'll see where you can ask that question, and you can do the same on our Way Media app. And now, here to remind us what lies beside us and behind us isn't nearly as bad as what lies to our face is Pastor Mark, who always (laughs) reminds young people never to fall in love with tennis players because love means nothing to them. (laughs) That's... Yeah, that's good. All right, that's well, good. Yeah. All yeah. right. I I got a I mean, laugh. Technically, it does mean something. You know, that is, you don't have any well, points. But it, at the well, same time, well, see, well, the funny thing was, is that here I, know? I I I have the point system there you for go. tennis. There you I go. brought it just in case he didn't get the joke. There's, no, I get it. I used I to just, play tennis. I, I oh, I, see, there you go. Yeah. So that, no, that that was a cute joke. That's okay. that's uh, see, that's yeah, good. I like. You know, you don't expect really belly laughing. That's going to be no, rare. No, that's but going that to be was, very rare. Yeah, that was that was good. So I, I enjoyed that. So <laughs> okay, good. All right, let's get into our news articles for episode 278. We'll head over to Israel, and this week, Pastor Mark, we've got lots of Israel articles, uh, both good and bad. Uh, First, we will start with the good. Our first article comes from Israel 365 News. A farmer revives the biblical balm of Gilead and temple incense. Do tell, I mean, this is biblical, but is it prophetic? It is. Okay. Uh, you know, Revelation 13, we talk about the third temple is going to be built. This The Antichrist is going to declare that he's God. So we have to have the third temple. And for the third temple, you know what you need? You don't need necessarily the balm of Gilead, which we'll talk about, but you do need the temple incense. Okay. Uh, it says, one very special farmer in the Holy Land is raising rare and endangered plants in an effort to bring back the biblical balm of Gilead and temple incense. In two, uh, 2008, Guy Ehrlich was driven to recreate the biblical balm of Gilead, renowned for the healing proper, its healing properties. Uh, it, it has trouble growing in certain places, but they were able to find a shoot of it in Saudi Arabia and bring it to a certain botanical garden in Jerusalem. And Dr. Elwayne Soloway, director of the Center for Sustainable Agriculture at Kibbutz Keturah, was able to bring this thing to life, and uh, it's thriving in the Dead Sea climate. It's, it's very interesting. You know, you say, what's the balm of Gilead? Jeremiah 8.22, here's a reference for that. He says, is there no balm in Gilead? Can no physician be found? Why has healing not yet come to my people? So God used mm. that as an example of, of, you know, just healing, whatever. And so that that's interesting of that healing property that's supposed to have. And no doubt they'll find something that has a healing property. Uh, but really it comes down to the incense, Greg, because there are certain ingredients that are given for the incense, certain plants that have to be in place for them to burn that incense in the holy place. Now, right outside the Holy of Holies is the holy place where the altar of incense is, and the uh, menorah, table showbread, etc. And they burned this right there. It's the only place it's allowed to be burned. As a matter of fact, God said, if anybody else makes that mixture and takes it home, they're to be put to death. 
So that's how serious this incense is in God's eyes. Wow. Uh, because it represented the prayers of the people going up to God. It was a special mm. mixture that God made for that reason. Now, whether or not it has the same properties, I don't know. With with now God's spirit not being there, with the nation of Israel um, um, not really worshiping the true God right now, would it have, if somebody who didn't know the Lord tried to put it together, would God strike them dead? I'm not saying that, but I'll tell you this. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I would keep my hands off of it. But now he's not making the He's making the ingredients for it. He would give those ingredients to the priests. The priests would then dry them out. And make from the from the biblical, put them together, and then they would put them in there, which God would accept. So, again, how much God gives credence to any of this now, because the temple doesn't matter, and God's spirit's not going to be there, we don't know. But it is interesting that they now have, they're, they're, they're filling in the blanks that need to be filled in for the full worship in the temple, other than the Ark of the Covenant, which I believe is long gone and smashed, although they claim they have it hidden somewhere, Um it could be, but I think probably not. It, oh. I, go back, I go back and forth. I go okay. back and forth. Okay. They claim it's there, Greg, but you know, I, I, there's so many things. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, but yeah, interesting. In okay. light of Revelation 13 and the rebuilding of the third temple. What was that scripture verse again? Pastor Jeremiah 822. Uh, not to get sidetracked on anything, but here's what I think is interesting about that verse is that for the people that are on the extreme side of uh, and we've read these stories before where they will not go seek medical help for something because right. they say, oh, God will heal them. Right. And then they end up not. That scripture verse clearly indicates to us that there are times when God uses his things on earth to facilitate medicine or healing. Yeah. And he goes so far to say in that verse, it's like they're not being healed because you're not using that. Like, I gave that to you to use is to to use in the healing process. Use it. Well, it's it's really more of a, and first of all, I think I mean, you're, the point you're making is right. Yes. And that goes more to another example, the one I say I'll get okay. to. This is more, Greg, in this one, if you look at the context, which is not fair because we only pulled this sentence out. He's talking about the nation as a whole. Uh, and he's using it symbolically, oh, okay. so you couldn't you couldn't get the bomb of Gilead and put it on the nation. So it wasn't no, that but wasn't I was thinking point for the there. individual. However, yeah. no, but your point, what I'm saying yeah. is, in that context, because we didn't read it all, uh, that the, the exact point you make doesn't apply as much. However, I will say this: it is true what you're making that God does give medications because I go back to where God told Isaiah, remember to put the uh, the poultice on the um, the boil yes. that Hezekiah had with figs and all these other things. So he used medicine. To heal the boil, of course, God did, is the one that did the healing, but God shows very clearly he does sanction yeah. the use of ingredients and healing. So your point is well taken and true, but in this example, it's more of a symbolic okay. thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get back on the rail. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. That <laughs> no, wasn't fine. off the rail. I know. No, I'm it's just, just We didn't have the whole context. Yes. That was very balanced, and that just added context. So so we shaved you an example of me being an isogete and Pastor Mark being an exegete. So well, see, they, no, I'm just teasing. Yeah. I'm I mean, just messing with yeah, you. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. JNS.org. Israel to Inc a major energy deal with Cyprus and Greece. Now, we've talked about this before. This is more, really, the article title should really say finalizing the deal. Yeah. This deal has been in the works for a while. Yeah, it, you know, again, there's a lot of people that want to get in with Israel on this whole there natural gas and electric and all this. Greg, it's amazing. And, and all this is doing is building up Ezekiel 38 and 39. That is where Russia is going to be infringed on. Let me read some of this to you. And again, this out of Nicosia, Cyprus, which is right off the coast of Israel, near uh, these gas deposits. Israel is poised to finalize an energy deal with the Greece and Cyprus, which will include a mammoth electricity project connecting the power grids of three countries and potentially future regional natural gas pipeline between the Eastern Mediterranean allies. So it's starting out with an electrical alliance, and it's going to move to this uh, to the gas line alliance in these countries. The International Energy Venture puts the Eastern Mediterranean on the map as a key energy provider to guess who? Europe. As the war, which And who provides Europe? Russia. As the war in Ukraine and sanctions on Russia fuel a global energy crisis that has hit the European Union hard, because Russia's holding back, because, hey, you're going to fight us, then we're going to hold back our supply. Well, we're getting it somewhere else. Russia, oh, yeah? Well, then we're going to go stop it. You can see this whole thing building up, uh, spotlighting the, comp- the continent's uh, dependence on foreign energy. The 2,000-megawatt undersea cable will be the world's longest and deepest underwater electricity cable crossing the Mediterranean seabed, bridging Asia and Europe. Uh, so, again, you talk about a big power cord. 
This is a gigantic. <laughs> You're not kidding. Two thousand megawatts. Can you imagine the size? How big is the cable? Can you imagine the size of the plug on the other side that they plug into the wall there <laughs> exactly. in Israel? I mean, think about how huge that would have to be to carry that kind of electricity. Yes. But either way, it's going to run there. And then, and this is the intro into okay. Now we have the electricity flowing. We have a deal. Hey, you've got all that natural gas. We could use that too. Russia, do you see this? We're getting it from these guys. And Russia's like, ooh, it's a dragon, you know, type thing, right? Yes. And so they're going to come in and and um, you know, Egypt Leviathan because he is the dragon. Yes, right? he is the dragon. And, Anyway, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, again, just we're watching the buildup of Ezekiel 38 and 39. And and again, remember with prophecy, we see this kind of slow grind. You know, we don't get, we don't say, yeah, this is going to happen tomorrow. We don't know, but we see that continual movement. We're watching it build. It's almost like we've read the end of the book. And we know it's going to happen, but the book doesn't tell us at what timing it's going to happen. The rest of the world hasn't read the book. So they're looking at it going, what in the world's going on here? This is a big deal. And we're going, relax. We know what's going to happen. Russia's going to get mad. They're going to come down and attack them. God will wipe Russia out. It's all going to be okay. And then this world leader's going to come on the scene. I mean, I love having these details. God is yeah. so good to let us know. But this is part of that formulation. It's interesting how the blessings lead to cursings. Because the blessings of having all of these natural resources are going to lead to Ezekiel 38 and 39, which God's using as judgment. God's in control of all of this at the end of the day. I just think it's it's just interesting. I mean, when you think about if you're a parent, okay, and you are, if you think about, okay, I need to punish my child, you don't start, do you start off by blessing the child that leads to a pun? I mean, it's yeah. just interesting. Yeah. The whole thing is just interesting. Well, again, also, I think, remember, he's using it as a great big lure. No, he is. I know I he mean, is. This is he, he, he's drawing He's fishing hooks. in the Mediterranean. He's fishing. He's cast from heaven. Yes. This gigantic, beautiful lure of gas and oil has landed. Yeah. He's reeling it, and Russia's going, look at that shiny, sparkly thing going <laughs> through the water. Look at that. We want that. We want that. You know, and, and, the, and, this, and they're being lured down there. Yeah. And then once they bite, he sets the hook. Yep. The hook in the jaw, and he reels them on down to the Mediterranean, yeah. and kaboom. Well, and doesn't it say hooks? Yeah, it does. Multiple. So, it's going to so be multiple. Who knows what that? What that really? We really don't know. We what don't. That means. We don't. We know. We know at least that there's oil and gas. Yes. We know that. And the, Greg, they want the oil and gas. Yeah. And you know, um, so I, I could just, you know, even if they got down there and just pulled that big plug out. Yes. Out of the wall down there. So he cut off the power of those three countries. He could stand there smiling, like swing that that that, that you know outlet thing around, and just yes. Can you imagine the surge protector on that thing? I don't anyway. know. That's it just know. very interesting, but it's going to. I want to see the maybe the next trip. Yes, you know, it goes in. Maybe they'll make one, a That'd replica for you. That'd be great. Yes. All right, JNS.org. Saudi funding <laughs> offer to the Palestinian Authority seen as a step toward normalization with Israel. Yeah. Another interesting turn of events. Yeah. With seemingly an enemy of Israel, but yeah. we know they're a family member from long ago. They are. And I want to clarify even the family yeah. member. That, again, they're, they're, remember, the direct descendants of Ishmael are, are Arabs and also his next wife after Sarah. And that's who they come from. They actually come from the next wife after Sarah. So they're still in that line of, of the Arab, if you will, from, from uh, Abraham. But it's a different line than the direct line of Ishmael. So it's a whole, there's a whole kind of breakdown. So it's not, so it's not, it's not from Hagar. It's not from Hagar. It's actually from, uh, I forget her name. I'd have to look it up real okay. quick, but it's, it's the wife that he, he married after Sarah died, and then his his kids became, and and they may be mixed into the Saudi Arabia, but she been Dedan, but I think that she been Dedan came to another line. So oh, okay, I, again, yeah, just a bit of clarification yeah. on that, but it still is again, it's family. Yeah, and you're looking at family here, and we're watching again. The religion is pulled. Family. Listen, religion has pulled family apart, but now God's bringing family back together. How many of you guys have had a religion pull your family apart? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'd be yes. great to see God pull it back together. Yes. Well, that's what's happening with Saudi Arabia, and that's part of the reason they won't be involved in the invasion against Israel. Riyadh it says has proposed resuming financial assistance to the Palestinian Authority. Saudi officials and former Palestinian officials say this is a sign the kingdom is paving the way to establishing diplomatic relations with Israel. The Wall Street Journal reported on. Tuesday, Saudi officials say they are trying to secure Palestinian President Muhammad Abbas's support for open ties with Israel, providing more legitimacy to any eventual agreement and forestalling any accusations that the kingdom would sacrifice Palestinian efforts to establish an independent state to advance its own goals. Translation. 
they're being accused of, of, of jeopardizing, of being an enemy of the PA and now getting on Israel's side and not working with Palestinian Authority and you're helping our enemy Israel and you're not helping us and we're fighting for the land and it's occupied by Israel. And they say, no, 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 no. We're just, we're doing this so that it keeps the doors open for you guys to make that deal with Israel. Now, whether or not they mean it or whether this is diplomatic speak, I don't know, but they're trying to, you know, schmooze their way, uh, into, into connecting back with Israel, uh, a, a half brother. They are half brothers to the Jews. Uh, through a second wife of Abraham. And, uh, and so, you know, um, anyway, it's very interesting to see, uh, how they're doing this. And of course, the PA is upset, but they're saying, look, relax. We're not doing all this, but it is, it is some family ties here. And it's very interesting to watch what God's doing in the last days, bringing the family back together. Man, what a prophecy soap opera this is. It really is. As the Middle East turns. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yes. That'll currently in production. Yes. <laughs> As the Middle East turns. Uh, produced by God and directed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, some growing anti-Semitism. Of course, that was all the good news yes. for Israel. And now here's some uh, not really good news. Yeah. Uh, this is from Israel 365 News. A new report. Anti-Semitic crimes rose 28% in 21 U.S. cities in 2022. Lots yeah. of 20s here. Well, we, you know, we continue to see this there. And, and we would expect this. Remember, the Bible says there's going to be a continual uptick in uh in, in in jewish hatred as we get closer to the end it's already there it's but it's going it's yeah. to uptick even more why yeah. because remember it is a spiritual battle yeah. and satan is going to be bringing in again this heavier spirit against the jews as his research from the center for study of hate and extremism at california state university san bernardino reveals an increase in the number of hate crimes against jews up 28 percent. that's quite a bit uh, the other minority groups in America's most populous uh, and and other minority groups in America's most populous urban centers. That's the main the main thrust of that article there that I put down. But again, the idea to remember is we're looking at a situation where you're going to see this go more and more, and you're going to see against Christians more and more. So I mean, we're we're you know it's it's interesting. I I haven't heard this chant. Um, I heard Pastor Chuck used to talk about it, but I've never heard it over there in the Middle East, and maybe they don't do it anymore, but apparently in some of the fervor around maybe, the, it might be the Friday prayers of, of the Arab people or whatever, but they used to have these chants where they say first Saturday, Saturday, then, then Sunday, Sunday, and they would keep yeah. saying it or whatever, um, and that's the idea. First, we're going to get rid of the Jews, then we're going to get rid of the Christians, and so you're going to see this, and that's spiritual. All of this is Absolutely. a larger picture yep. of Satan moving, so you're going to see a greater and greater hatred against the Jews. And against the Christians. But again, I just want to mention this, Greg, and warn our listeners out there, especially our, those of you that jump around from different shows to show, catching your prophecy things, or maybe world updates from some of the um, um, you know, non-mainstream media. Um, there is a, a growing, a noticeable um, dislike for the Jews among some that even say they're Christians out there. I'm watching this happen, where they're starting to talk bad about the Jews and and even now speaking um, derogatorily, I heard it just recently yesterday about the Zionists, you know, whatever. Guys, Zion just means the land of Israel and the promises that God made for Israel and them coming back to the land God gave them. That's a Zionist. They're, that's the land of Zion, uh, which is Israel. And so, you know, whenever you start to hear this kind of rhetoric against, you know, the Jewish people. Matter of fact, you know, we, we did a, um, it's funny, I purposely try to stay away from, especially in the pulpit politics. We get into some of it here as it crosses our path on prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we had some comment that came through the, the channels where somebody was talking about, they listened to Ezekiel 38 and it was so political. 37. 37. Yeah. It was so political and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? I, I, again, I don't even remember. I said, I don't know that we said anything about it. It was talking about Israel back in the land and the, the dry bones and all that. But they took that politically. Well, think about it. Yeah. You're supporting who? Yeah, exactly. Israel. And so, look, anytime you support Israel, people see that as political. No, no, no. That is called biblical. Now, you can take it from Bible and bring it into the political realm. Um, but when you talk about Israel and they're back in the land and God gave it to them, that is not a political issue. That is a biblical issue. That's God. Um, you know, we have the, the prophecy conference coming up here in, in uh, Nashville, uh, next Friday, next, actually next Saturday. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about that before we're done. Maybe I'll mention that for our listeners okay. again that want to sure. be involved in that. But, but one of the things, you know, um, that, that people talk about oftentimes is they, they want to get very, all the, they talk about the politics on things. But really, prophecy, the way prophecy works, if you do it right, is it's the Bible, and it's politics cross. When the politics cross the Bible, you've got to deal with them. And uh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. One of the things I'm going to mention at the conference is, is don't be afraid of something that's biblical. If it's not biblical, be careful, okay? But if it's in the Bible, it is not 
uh, political, and it is not a, a, a conspiracy theory. It's called the Bible. So don't be cowed back from standing on the Bible because someone accuses you of being political or someone says that you're being whatever. No, or a conspiracy theorist. No, if it's in the Bible, it's not a theory. It's fact. And it's not a, it's not, it's not a, and it might be a conspiracy because actually Psalm 2 talks about the leaders of the world, it says, and literally it says they're going to conspire together against God and his son, his Christ. So there's going to be a worldwide conspiracy among the worldwide leaders in the last days. Psalm 2 tells us that. And so we have to be careful. There's that balance of, of, um, you know, don't be afraid of mentioning what the Bible talks about because somebody's going to call you a conspiracy theorist, but stay away from weird conspiracy theories. There you go. And I don't remember exactly at what point in the prophecy timeline God says he's going to do this, uh, but he says that he's going to put into their minds yes. these thoughts. You talking about when 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 Russia and Iran he will put I don't know is it is that for Ezekiel well, yeah, or is for that sure. for says, is that or is that at the at the end of the there may be something else but I know he says this in Ezekiel he says thoughts will come into your mind against moving against a, a, a place of unwalled cities yeah and that's that's Russia and Iran coming into Israel there may be something else yeah, you're referring there, yeah, to there, as well there's a verse that specifically says that he will do it that God yeah. I will he says I will do this yes yeah but I but I'm blanking at the moment yeah. On, Exactly, not knowing where that falls. I know it's for end time stuff. Yeah. I just don't remember if it's at the end of the thousand year reign and he's going to put this thought into their heads or if this is before that, if this is. If I knew specifically yeah. what you're talking about, we could have. If it pops I'll, I'll in your look mind, it up. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, look yeah. it up. Yeah. I'll look it up. Anyway. All right. Uh, next article The Los Angeles Times, latimes.com. Elon Musk goes down the anti Semitism road. Driving a Tesla Cybertruck. Now, let me say this. First of all, I don't believe that really Elon has gone down an anti-Semitism road necessarily. I don't know where his heart is, but from what happened here recently, I don't take it that way, and I'll explain. Okay. Now, this is how the LA Times is presenting it, okay? But, Greg, now this is where it gets really, really sticky, and we see the wisdom and the wiles of Satan in the yes. way he does warfare. Let me read the article first, and then we're going to talk about this. It says, now these are their words from the LA Times, again, which is a very liberal, extremely liberal, woke publication. Over the weekend, Musk launched a ferocious, spittle-flecked attack. (laughs) I mean, they're trying to make it look really bad. I'm sure they were there watching him talk. Yes. On the Anti-Defamation League, which describes itself uh, uh, as the global leader in combating anti-Semitism, Countering extremism and battling bigotry wherever and whenever it happens. It mm-hmm. says the ADL, be- and he said this, the ADL, because they are so aggressively in their demands to ban social media accounts for even minor infractions, are ironically the biggest generators of anti-Semitism on the platform. So he's, he turned it back on them and said, you're the guys that are being anti-Semitic because they're blocking anybody that says anything against the Jews. He asserted that the U.S. advertising revenue at X's is down 60%, primarily due to pressure on advertisers by the ADL. And so they almost succeeded in killing Twitter. And he tweeted that he has no choice but to file a defamation lawsuit against the Anti-Defamation League. Isn't that kind of interesting? (laughs) Now, let's talk about this for a moment because this is interesting. Now, let me just say this. The Anti-Defamation League, on its surface, is supposed to be defending the Jews. Well, that's like the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act is unaffordable. So when you see things that are called coming out of like legal realm and they give it a name, oftentimes it's given a deceptive name to make you think it's something good when it's not. Like the Anti-Inflation Act that was signed recently, they just admitted it's actually making inflation go up. But they called it Anti-Inflation Act. Why? Because they want the person who doesn't do their homework to think, oh, uh, it's helping with inflation. So this is the same kind of mindset. You name something something that it's not if you want to trick the simple-minded, those that aren't doing their homework, um, so you can deceive them. Well, the Anti-Defamation League is one of the most liberal anti-God establishments out there. They are. Um, you know us here at, at, at Signs of the Times, at Cavachab, we are very pro-Israel. Very pro-Jew. I mean, we, we, we support Israel. And why do we support Israel so strongly and the, and the Jewish people so strongly? Because God said to. God said in Genesis chapter 12, those who bless you all bless and those who curse you all curse. So we stand with the nation of Israel. We stand with the Jewish people. But that doesn't mean that everything a Jewish person does is always correct. They, they do things that are wrong, even as every other people group does. Uh, Israel does things wrong, even as America does things wrong. So God is not saying, pretend that they're perfect, pretend they never do anything wrong. What God is saying is, stand with them, because they're my chosen people, 
and I'm going to bring many of them to come to Christ in the last days. They're going to be part of the family of God. You stand with them, and by standing with Israel, you're standing with me. But the reality is, right now, as the Jews stand, Greg, especially here in America, the majority of them are unsaved. They don't know the Lord. And because they're unsaved and they don't know the Lord, they are very, very liberal. They're very anti-God. They're very, in many ways, they fight against the cause of good and for the cause of bad. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of the details of what's going on with Elon Musk. I don't know his heart. I don't know anything else he said about it. All I'm saying is, is that this statement here doesn't make him anti-Semitic. He's simply saying, what he's saying is this, anybody that criticizes the Jews, um, they penalize them online, and they call it anti-Semitism. Well, again, you should be against anti-Semitism, as as well as we should be against racism and against anything that is hateful or derogatory toward any people group. And we agree with that stand. That's where we stand as well, especially as Christians. We're to love all men. Everyone, God loves everyone. He died for everyone. But the bottom line is, here's where Satan gets clever. If they want to do something, let's say that, that the Anti-Defamation League or, or any Jewish group wants to do something that is opposed to what's right or is opposed to God, then all they have to do is scream anti-Semitism to shut everybody down. All you have to say is, oh, you're an anti-Semite. Oh, you, you hate the Jews. And, then, and nobody wants to be blamed for that. So, no, 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 I, I'm not, I'm not. And, oh, I take it all back. So that way they can ram through an agenda that may be very, very wrong. It may be very anti-God, but they can ram it through because of the fear of somebody being accused of being, um, you know, anti-Semitic or whatever. Um, the reality is, you know, Satan is smart. He knows that. And so he uses that, I think, to his advantage for some of these uh, things that are, are oftentimes pushed through by uh, liberal movements that are very, very anti-God. So let me say this. Look, when we say we stand with the nation of Israel and we support Israel, we're not saying they never make mistakes. We're not saying the nation is perfect. They are sinners just like we are. All we're saying is God said, stand with them because they're my chosen people. So we stand with them because God says so. And I also will say this. Um, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, God gave me a supernatural love for the Jewish people and a supernatural love for the nation. It just it just happened. I just started loving them. I don't know why. I just did. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that doesn't mean that every single one of you know, one thing I still notice about today, they're still as a people group. I mean, they're. God said they were stiff-necked. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's not anti-Semitic. That's just a fact. They they fight against God. They reject the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's just a fact. But I love them. So uh, be careful when you read some of these headlines, you know, about so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. I'm not supporting Elon Musk. Look, I don't, I don't, Elon Musk has a lot of issues. And there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the background. I know a lot of people seem to like him. Uh, even some Christians like him a lot because he opened up things like Twitter again, blah, 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 you know, this kind of thing. But he also has some really weird stuff. I mean, like, he, talk, he, he talks a lot about demonic stuff. You know, he, he, he wears a Baphomet outfit. He wore that for, like, Halloween, and that was, like, the demonic symbol. And, I mean, again, you could say, well, that was just because of Halloween. But his, his ex-wife or girlfriend... She's very demonic and, and does these very demonic songs, and he supports her. So I'm not saying he's a good man or a godly man. He's obviously not. But I'm saying don't just jump on an article like this and just assume that he's anti-Semitic because this sounds more like a business venture. It sounds like he's stepping out because they're attacking his business. And at the same time, I think what they're doing, they're using it as the whole thing. Oh, that proves you're anti-Semitic because you're fighting against something we're doing as the Anti-Defamation League. So just use, you know, put on your spiritual glasses, use your brain, use your head, read between the lines, and love everybody uh, as a Christian, and you'll figure it out. So someone's listening to this, Pastor Mark, and they're hearing you quote Genesis 12, 3. And they say to you, that's the Old Testament. Right. Well, again, so what? Right. So it's just it's applicable to the Old Testament. How does that apply to me today? Yeah, here's the bottom line. The Old Testament has never been done away with. Jesus said, I did not come to do away with the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. Paul goes on to say the law is good. Now, do we keep the law to get to heaven? No. No, we do not try that with some, there's a group, we talked about it before the show, there are certain people that are trying to go back to the law, the Bible strictly forbids that and says if you try to get to God by the law, you're going to be condemned. I mean, there's some harsh, firm language about that, but at the same time, the Old Testament is still very much the word of God for us, we're just not bound by the law to keep it to get into heaven, but Greg, it's still perfect, it's still moral, it's still good, Jesus didn't do away with it, he fulfilled it. I was just trying to guide you into the language that was used. Yes, for Genesis twelve three, in the language that was written in the uh, um, the perfect um, 
The, you mean like the parsings and all that? Yes. Oh, because see, I don't even, off the top of my head, I'll be honest, I don't know that right now. You kind of caught me off guard. I have to go and look. Like, it still applies. You mean like the historical present? Yeah, historical presence. Thank you. I'm that not was positive a, it is, unless you are. I mean, I have to look I'm and see. I'm pretty positive it is. Okay, all right, but all right. I, but I, but I, I'm not going to say 100%, <laughs> especially now that that didn't come to your head. No, no, but let me just say, here's the bottom line, Greg. Here's the thing. Here's why it does apply. Let me say this. Again, remember, for those of you, first of all, let me make this clear. We're not to come under the law and try to live by it because that condemns us. We, it's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. But Paul says the law is still good. The reason Jesus died on the cross is because we couldn't keep the law. So it doesn't negate the law. And that means all of God's promises to the nation of Israel still stand, including Genesis. Those who love you, I'll love, and those who curse you, I'll curse. How do we know that? Well, you go to Jeremiah, and in multiple places, God says this. Look, as long as the sun and moon are shining, my promises to the nation of Israel are still intact. Yeah. Well, the last time I checked, the sun and the moon are still working just fine. Yes. And that means, according to God's word, his promises to Israel are still intact, which means Genesis 12.3 is still intact. So, again, we don't come under the law, but the law is still good. And, again, remember, about the word of God, Here's I like to bring this point up, and I think we have the time to do this, Greg, very briefly. You know, Jesus said that he's the word. The Bible says, John says that Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God in John chapter 1. And the word became flesh, verse 14 of John 1. So what it's saying is that Jesus is revealed by the word. He is the word. Now, we know that he's Jesus. He's not ink and paper. And all. We're not weird. But the thing is, um, it, it, he is the word. So the full embodiment of who Jesus has revealed himself to the world is found in the Bible. Guess what? Old and New Testament. Jesus told his disciples in Luke 24, uh, 24 44, he says, um, you know, you sir, uh, basically, I'm in, this, I'm in the Psalms, Prophets, and the Writings. That means I'm in all of the Old Testament, because that's all they had at the time. In another place, Jesus is quoted uh, spiritually as saying, I'm in the volume of the book. And that means the entirety. He's talking about the Old Testament. Of course, we know it applies now to the New Testament as well, but the New Testament was not yet written. What is my point? Jesus said, I am the Old and New Testament. I am in all of the Old and New Testament. Um, and that what that means is if you do away with the Old Testament, half of Jesus is missing. Are you willing to have a Jesus with no legs? No. You don't have a leg to stand on there, theologically. <laughs> but if you want all of Jesus, you take all of him from Genesis to Revelation. That's every bit of him. And so, you know, again... I, 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 you know, and I know there's these, these, I'm not saying that Jesus, there's a weird theology out there where people say that if you say that he's the word, you're saying he's somehow not real or symbolic or there's words. No, he's, he's Jesus, Yeah, but he's revealed himself, Greg, by the, by the old Testament and the new. And, um, and by the way, when you, you think read about Hebrews four twelve for to substantiate that as well, well and let me even go a step farther for some of you that are bound up in this whole old Testament, new Testament thing. The law refers to the biblical Levitical laws. We find in the Bible, right? All of those. The entire law is only in two and a half books of the Bible. Now, let's think about that for a minute. The entire law is only in two and a half books of the Bible. That's the entire law. Genesis is historical. Exodus is historical. And then it starts about halfway through with the law. It goes into Leviticus and Numbers. That's it. Deuteronomy is just a repeat. It goes back and recaps the law. So you literally have two and a half books of the Bible that are the law. So if even if you said we're no longer under the law, then just don't obey half of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, but the rest of it still applies to your life. Think about that. They're, all the rest of them are historical books. They're just prophecy and history. That's all they are. So th- this mindset, I know I had this mindset growing up, that the, the law is Genesis to Malachi. No, it's not. The law is halfway through Exodus to the end of, of, of Numbers. Okay, that's the law, and Deuteronomy is included, but really it's a recap, as we said. And if you, let's say, let's include Deuteronomy, then it's three and a half books. But you got three and a half books of the Bible that are the law, so if you want to just not follow the law, then drop those three up. You still got the other 62 and a half books of the Bible that are the Word of God that apply to your life. And, and look, even those three and a half that you, that right there that are the law, they still apply to our lives because there's so much in there that, that speaks of Jesus. They're a picture of Jesus, every bit of it. He's found on every page and everywhere in the Bible that Jesus is found. He himself said that. We just don't try to live by the law to get to heaven. We live by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. We trust in what he's done now, and we simply receive it, and then we get heaven. That's, so that's the deal. It's like too good to be true. But it's still a guide for our life, and it's still the Lord revealed to mankind in the old and new. As one, as our last tour guide said, in the old and new covenants. He didn't call it the old, old testament. He called it the old covenant and the new covenant, uh, which I think is kind of an extension, uh, kind of ties it together in, 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 a, in a better way mentally anyway.
That's Pastor Mark Kirk, who is helping us understand the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAM LP Knoxville, a weekly radio broadcast that will become podcast number 278, available to subscribe and listen through wherever you get your podcasts. And now, you've got mail. Three questions this week, Pastor Mark. Our first one comes from Mike, who enjoys signs of the times in Crestwood, Kentucky. He says, I understand that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8 refers to the Holy Spirit. I've also heard this also refers to the church. Number one, what is your stance on this, the Holy Spirit versus the church? And two, if the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, how will anyone be saved during the tribulation? Is the restrainer taken out of the earth, or does the restrainer stay in earth, just not restraining the evil? Yeah, great question there, uh, Mike. Let me read Second Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 8. It says this, um, starting in verse 7, obviously, but we... Um, I'm sorry. That's for, I'm in First Thessalonians. That doesn't make sense. I'm in First. Second, that two, seven, eight. Let me let me get re, regroup here. Here we go. Seven says this: For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. For only He who now restrains will do so until He. There's your clues. Is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, and the Lord will consume with the breath of His breath of His mouth and destroy with the brightness of His coming. First of all, it can't be the church because the church isn't a He. The church is a She, the bride of Christ. So he's not referring to the church here when it says the restrainer. The restrainer is not the church. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit, which is one of the he's of the Holy Trinity. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one that restrains the work of, of, of the demonic realm, and that's what that verse reveals, as well as other verses. And so what he's talking about there when he says the, the restrainer, now the Holy, let me say this, the Holy Spirit, the he of the Holy Spirit, he works through the church. Okay, so the church is involved in this. The church is the salt of the earth. The church is the light of the world. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So the Holy Spirit is working through the church, but but the church is not the restrainer. The church is the tool of the restrainer. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit, the he that it mentions there in Second Thessalonians. And again, that is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So that's the first part of the question. Uh, it is absolutely not the church, but it, but he works through the church. And then you talk about this, if the restrainer is removed, then what about anybody saved during the Great Tribulation? Uh, I think this is a common misunderstanding, Mike, and actually I had this misunderstanding for the first really many years of my Christian walk at the beginning till I really had it pointed out to me and began to think it through. Um, just because the church is is being taken off of the earth and the Holy Spirit happens to inhabit believers, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is only in believers, what did David say in the psalm? If I go even to the depths of the ocean, you're there. Well, there's no, there's no believers at the depth of the ocean. So David's point was the Holy Spirit is everywhere. So, yes, the Holy Spirit lives in us as believers and as the church. And when we go, we're taken to heaven. But that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit goes with us. <laughs> we're now with the Holy Spirit. Really, it's probably a better picture of that. We go to be with him and with the Father and the Son. And, yes, he's there with us. But the Holy Spirit, when you read uh, Revelation, is still very active in the in the world. Very active. After the rapture of the church, the Holy Spirit draws multitudes to himself to get saved. The Holy Spirit is doing all kinds of work. So note this. The church is gone, but the Holy Spirit remains. The restrainer just does this. Here's what the restrainer does. The restrainer stops restraining, but he doesn't leave the scene. Think of it this way. It's like a police officer blocking a gate before the show begins. And the police officer is standing there. The gate is blocked. He's restraining the crowd until opening time. And then once it's opening time for the restaurant or the show or what it's going to be, the police officer stands to the side and everybody starts filing in to go see the show or go to the restaurant or go to whatever, you know, that kind of thing happens. But the policeman's still standing there. So the policeman didn't leave. He just stopped restraining. And so what the Bible tells us is, the Holy Spirit will remove his restraining power at the same time that he removes the body of Christ, but he will still be very active in the earth, drawing believers to himself. Because, by the way, if it tells us that multitudes will be getting saved after the rapture, and it does tell us that in Revelation, the Bible says no one goes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So if the Holy Spirit wasn't still present, drawing the unbeliever to himself, no one would be getting saved during the Great Tribulation. But because we know that multitudes will be saved during the Great Tribulation, we know that the Holy Spirit will be very active in drawing people to the Lord. 
He just won't be restraining the work of the Antichrist or Satan like he was prior to the rapture of the church. All right, Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Teresa, who enjoys Signs of the Times, nearby in Greenback, Tennessee. She says, I was recently reading an article on Harbinger's Daily written by Alex Newman. Uh, it is titled, In Depth, BlackRock Sits at the Apex of the Deep State and is Holding the Power to Reshape the Global Economy. As I was reading the article, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the mystery Babylon harlot and prompted me to reread Revelation 17 and then 13. It became clear to me that BlackRock could easily be the harlot system that is right now being set up. What are your thoughts on this article, and how could it correlate with Mystery Babylon? Again, a great question, Teresa, and I believe you're exactly right. You know, it's interesting about BlackRock, and I saw the article, and and it's very interesting how they work with the World Economic Forum, um, as well as the uh, International Economic uh, System, that that's what they're trying to do. A lot of people don't realize it, but BlackRock owns most of the world. They really do, Greg. It's interesting. I didn't realize how much till probably about a year ago or so, how much they really, maybe it was a couple years ago, but in the last year especially, you know, you see a lot of these companies and there's these multiple companies that are out there. But when you go see who the owner is of all these multiple companies, these giant worldwide companies that you can kind of put together, you know, that run most of the world, BlackRock owns them. So you have all these separate companies, but they're all owned by BlackRock, which means really they're all owned by BlackRock, although they have different names, they do different things in different places. So you were wondering, could this be the formulation of the world economic system? I think it already is the world formulation. Now, whether or not I would call BlackRock the um, the beast, I mean, in that picture, we know that not, not the beast of the Antichrist, but this economic system. BlackRock right now is in is in control of the economic system worldwide. There's no doubt about that. They are in control of the world economic system, absolutely. But remember, for the whole world to be one economy and held together under one roof, it has to all be unified first. What BlackRock has done is the world is unified now economically, which I do believe is there what we see happening in Revelation. Um, but the Antichrist is going to step in and run it. So you've got, first of all, you've got them, them controlling everything economically. Now you just need a new CEO. And the CEO is going to be the ANTI dash Christ, the Antichrist, right? And he's going to be running the world economic system with BlackRock as the major player. Now, whether it remains how that remains that way, I don't see any reason it would change. But yeah, the whole world now is almost unified with economic control and power by one company, BlackRock, which lines up right with what the world says, the, the Babylonian system in the last days of a one world economy. I think this is I think this is right in the center of it. Absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, our next, our last question, rather, comes from Sila, who is here in Knoxville, and she says, I have a question regarding what I believe is a false prophetic word going around charismatic circles right now. There is a charismatic movement of prophets saying that God is going to wipe away debt completely and bring great wealth to those who invest in gold, silver, and cryptocurrency. This is the same group that said Trump would be reinstated before this next election cycle, but it has not happened yet. My best friend believes this so strongly that she and her husband have pulled out an astronomical amount of debt. I'm thinking maybe money. Taking a loan. Taking a loan. Taking loans is what I think she meant, yes. Gotcha. And are now waiting in faith for God to, quote-unquote, transfer money to the righteous. While they, while they keep investing in what the quote-unquote prophets are telling them to do. Yeah. There is no talking to her because she says God also personally told her this would happen and that any thoughts of doubt are from the enemy. She was so solid as a Christian, I hardly recognize her anymore, and it breaks my heart for what could be coming for her family as she has two young children. How do you address this prophetic teaching and what is your stance? Is there anything I can do to help my friend other than watch this financial mess unfold? Well, it sounds like your friend is deceived. Just to let you know, Sila, um, and it sounds like your friend has made their mind up. They're not going to listen no matter what you do. And I find that when people have made their mind up, they've made their mind up. Uh, unless God really intervenes and just changes their heart. That doesn't mean you can't try to reach them because the Bible says that God's word is like a rock that breaks the hammer. So you need to give God's word. Do it in love and let God work. Well, let me say this. These are definitely false prophets. And how do I know that? Okay, first of all, let me let me point out some biblical principles. And by the way, these could be biblical verses and principles that you could share with your friend that may break the rock in pieces. The word of God may break through. But our standard is how do we know if it's a true prophet or a false prophet? Uh, we have to go to the Bible first. 
The Bible, the Word of God is our standard. And the Word of God very clearly lays out a couple things. Number one, the Bible says that if anybody gives a prophecy that does not come to pass, they're a false prophet. Okay, Deuteronomy 18. At the end of Deuteronomy 18, you can jot that down if you want to see law. At the end of Deuteronomy 18, it says that if, if somebody gives a prophecy and it does not come to pass, then, then do not be afraid of them. They are false prophets and, and pay no attention to them. Well, those that are, again, that said that President Trump was going to win his, this second term and those that are now saying he's going to take over before this term like is done. He, he'd be reinstated. Yeah. yeah I, again, God, I've heard both. Yeah. I've heard both now. I don't know the first one. I've heard both. I've heard them both before now. But either way, um, that has not happened. And the first one definitely did not happen because he already wasn't elected. And, and now to be put again, they revealed themselves as false prophets. Now you could, they might be able to hold on to that and say, yeah, but it's not done. There's another year, uh, you know, in a couple of months to see whether or not he gets reinstated, whatever. Okay. That one out there, you maybe could say, okay, that's out there to see. But, but that's, that's the, the first thing is whatever they say, if they say truly it's a prophecy from God, it's not 80% right, 90% right. It's not even 99.9% right. God said, if it's truly a prophecy from me, it'll be 100%. Now, why would that be? God didn't miss. God doesn't work on a curve. God doesn't say, well, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong. No, God is 100% right at all times. That's why in the Old Testament, in the old days, uh, if, if somebody said, thus saith the Lord, and they prophesied something, if it did not come to pass, they killed them. They put them to death. God told them to. God said, you put that yes. person to death because they're speaking for me and leading souls to hell and astray that I didn't do. And God takes that serious. You're talking about somebody's eternal state. So God says, you put them to death if they're a false prophet. Now, obviously, we're not living in that today. We don't, if, somebody gets, if they're a false prophet, we don't put them to death today. That's not under the laws of our government now. But in God's eyes, that's what's to be done. Now, with that said... That's the first point on this thing. The second thing is, is that you have to run to the word of God. Look, here's where false prophets and the Bible warns about this, even in Jude and other books, they appeal to the flesh. In other words, who doesn't want to be rich and buy anything they want? And if I'm told I can go like borrow a million dollars, buy a mansion, a yacht, I can buy all these fancy cars, do what I want to do is live the high life, even though I don't have the money. If, If they tell me prophetically, I can go do that. And, and I want to believe they're a prophet. I'll let my flesh get in the way because I really want those riches. I'm, I'm, I'm really driven by the flesh. Who's not going to jump on that? I'd love that. Yeah, and give me a new this, a new that, do whatever, et cetera, et cetera. So they appeal to the flesh. You're drawn in by the flesh, the Bible says, and then you're destroyed because the flesh is not your leading. It's got to be the spirit. So they play on the fleshly um, covetousness. They play on the on, on desires, you know, the flesh or whatever, and draw you in that way. But here's a scripture for you, and this is, again, out of Romans 13, 8. Anybody that's telling you that God said you're to go out and rack up big big debt because it's going to be given from the rich to the to you at some point, uh, listen to what it says in Romans thirteen eight. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. Translation: Get out of debt. If you can, don't go to get out of debt. Don't owe anybody anything except to love them. Now, I understand there are certain debts that sometimes can be even wise today in the sense of sometimes it's cheaper to buy a home than it is to rent for the rest of your life. I understand there's wise investments. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying here's the biblical principle. The biblical principle is you don't rack up debt. You get out of debt because that and then you just love people. You shouldn't know anybody anything. And especially the Bible also says that if you do take money from someone, you better pay it back. And if you don't pay it back. Especially if it, you know, in some cases, you know, God calls it theft. You got to pay them back with interest or whatever. So if they're saying take out loans because you want, you're going to get all this money, that's unbiblical. You're, you're, you're basically taking loans on something money you don't have and they're causing you to rack up debt. They're going to ruin these people's lives. These people's yeah. lives are going to be ruined. They're going to go under financially. And then Greg, here's the sad thing I've seen. Then they doubt God. Well, God yeah, didn't come through. Exactly. God didn't come through. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. God didn't tell you to do that. That false prophet told you to do that. And now you're serving the consequences of the false prophet that I warned you about in Deuteronomy 18 yeah. and Romans chapter 13. Yeah. And now you're suffering. Don't blame God. Well, and, you know, the Bible also says that the borrower becomes servant to the lender. There you go. There you go. And that's, that's even better than the verses I gave. Well, and, and, and let's take this one step further. So now they've racked up all this debt. And now, let's say they die before this promised whatever right. that these false prophets had told them. 
Now, who's stuck with their debt? That's right. Their children. That's right. The estate. Now you've left your kids with nothing. And the Bible talks about that you are to be a blessing to those that come after you in your family line. That's right. And I'm giving you the overarching principle of what God's saying. But he does say that. That's so right. anyway, it's, it's they lure you in. The Bible says false yeah. prophets will lure you in with covetousness. Um, and, and again, the, the, the scripture warns against this. It says have nothing to do with it. And that's exactly what's happening. They're luring. I've watched this over the years. These false prophets. It's very sad. They lure people in by covetousness. Yeah. They make, oh, God they appeal wants you. to your flesh. They appeal to the flesh. You get hooked because your flesh desires those things. If you're not mm-hmm. walking in the spirit and then you can justify it by saying, but God said so. And the prophet said so. Well, they're false prophets. And, and that's, and here, but here's, you want to know the truth? God's word. You go to God's word. Uh, the borrower is servant to the lender. Number two, owe no one anything except to love one another. Number three, if somebody says something's going to pass, it doesn't come to pass. They're shown to be a false prophet. Those that prophesied that Trump was going to win the 2020 election, guess what? He did not. They revealed themselves as false prophets, have nothing to do with them. And that is something that is where I could say, thus says the Lord, because I'm simply quoting the word of God. Amen. All right. Well, those are great questions. If you've got a question for Pastor Mark, just visit uh, thewaymedia.net, click on Signs of the Times, or go to the Way Media app. You should know the drill by now. If you don't, the directions on our website and the app are very simple to follow. All right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption with the time that we have left in this week's episode. This is from MSN.com. Scientists warn invasive pests are taking a staggering toll on society. Now, is this just is this just fluff marketing? It's talking about or those, is it for real? It's Pastor talking about Mark. those people on Gatlinburg Strip when they stop and want to sell you some condo or something. That's what it's talking about. The invas- <laughs> they're taking a staggering toll on society. It's happening in the malls as well when you try to go shopping. Come here, I want to sell you this perfume. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I, that kind of stuff drives me crazy. No, no, no. listen, what scientists warn of invasive pests are taking a staggering toll on society. Invasive pests are, are wreaking havoc across the planet, destroying crops, disseminating pathogens, depleting fish uh, that people rely on for food, and driving native plants and animals toward extinction, according to a major uh, report backed by the United Nations. The landmark assessment found that more than 3,500 harmful invasive species cost society more than $423 billion a year, a tally only expected to grow uh, as the modern age of global trade and travel continues to supercharge the spread of plants and animals across continents like never before. Greg, I'll say this is, it, to answer your question, there's two things going on here. Um, I do think there's some truth to this. We're seeing some of, of insects think, that are getting in places and fish getting places they shouldn't from other, and causing problems. Yes. But it's interesting, back by the U.N., the U.N. and the World Economic Forum and all these world leaders, they are purposefully doing things right now that are hurting the world crops hurting the world trees, hurt, hurting the world environment. They act like they're protecting the environment, but they're trying to shut down. Uh, Bill Gates is talking about buying up large stretches of land just to s- destroy all the trees because the trees are destroying the environment. Hello, the trees are what give us oxygen oh. for the environment. I mean, it's, it's this, the, Greg, they're saying they're trying to save the planet while they're killing it at the same time. This is so demonic. It's very demonic. And, and also, what they're doing is they're trying to shut down farms. The World Economic Forum is trying to shut down farms around the world. You may have seen all this happening right now in, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, with among the Dutch and among other people. And, and so I believe what's happening is there's a double thing going on. They are, they are, for whatever the reason, causing a lot of harm to the planet. And so they're blaming it on insects. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that gives an excuse. Oh, that's why we're in famine. That's why this is happening. No, it's you guys. However, is there some legitimacy to uh, insects that are probably spreading around the globe and different things like that that are getting into areas that shouldn't? Probably, yes, a little bit of that. So a little bit of both. But I think maybe they're covering themselves in this article by what they're doing and taking advantage of the fact that maybe there's a little bit of real in it. Yeah. That's what I think is going on. Or a red herring. Well, Fox News, our next article, Pastor Mark, uh, really brings to spotlight <laughs> the spotted lanternfly, yes. speaking yeah. of light. Uh, stomp season, it's gaining attention as 14 states are fighting that invasive uh, pest. Yeah, and again, you can say, well, Mark, this shows that they are spreading. Yeah, but also the media always works together to release articles at the same time to make it look legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't want to cut you off. You'll get a thought there. Okay, let me. Uh, no, go ahead. Right, let me read. Yeah, we'll get. We'll take the time you need here. It says the invasive insect native to China, parts of Taiwan, Vietnam, and Japan, and India, has spread and multiplied in 14 states, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I think they're coming across the southern border uh, uninhibited. I think spotted lanternflies 
were first detected on trees and fruit in Pennsylvania in September of 2014. They can now be found in Connecticut, Delaware, Indiana, Maryland, uh, Massachusetts, and a lot of states. I won't read them all. Uh, the US uh, DA has reported, so uh, we don't see them yet in Tennessee here. So you probably hadn't seen these spotted lantern. I went to look them up. Very interesting looking insect, but again, Probably, Greg, they are becoming more invasive. Probably they are coming, causing some damage. But at the same time, because of the way that the media works together to form yeah. a narrative, who knows how real this is or isn't. We have to wait and see. I think what's interesting, Pastor Mark, is the insects uh, give us a, a really good example of what happens. Uh, God, God sets things up to be in their proper domain. Yeah. Whether it's the spirit world, whether it's how he created the earth and the things on the earth to be in their proper domain, That's their right. proper region, their pop, proper area, whatever, however right. you want to term it. And when those things are caused in one form or another to leave their proper domain, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, that's where we see the most destruction, mm-hmm. which again speaks to the overarching design that god created for the earth for his ecosystem that there is a design there is an intelligent creator and it shows us how unintelligent we are when we don't recognize those things yep. and we dismiss those things You're exactly right we well, you know greg i thought you were going to make another point which which oh. which that's a great point but it, i thought of something else the bible talks yeah. about the angels that left their proper domain well yeah i was thinking from the spiritual world yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah absolutely right. that too that yeah. too yes because it's interesting again they left their proper domain so that's where you have the demonic realm so we have the spotted uh, wings of the fallen angels as well. Yes, um, that have the false lantern, <laughs> and uh, and they'll be dealt with as well. So yes. very interesting. Romans sixteen nine, they'll be put under your feet. That's right. Or That's something right. like that. That's right. Anyway. So same kind of thing here. Yes, so, yeah, very interesting. All right, let's uh, get to some good news with the time that we have left. Yeah, this is from Fox News. More than three hundred public schools nationwide will learn from the Bible this year well this has got to be the hand of the lord right because the world is not wanting this yeah you know it's interesting greg this is so cool though because again a lot of people think you can't take the bible into the public schools you can um you have to do the right channels but again lifewise academy now has bible classes in more than 300 public schools in 12 states uh, at the school year, as the school year begins this fall, students at more than 300 public schools nationwide will learn the Bible during school hours. This is so great. There is a light going in, and boy, do our kids need it. The faith-based instruction at government schools, which people may be surprised to learn is legal, is operated by LifeWise Academy. Uh, CEO founder Joel Penton told Fox News in an interview his group's mission is to give Christian parents hope that the next generation can receive biblical instruction in school so long as they make it happen. And I quote, our message to the American people is that if you'd had lo- if you'd lost hope in the ability to pass the word of God on and the Bible to the next generation, uh, if you thought that everything was just going in the direction of the Bible being out of the public school, then you don't need to lose hope. I think this is, this is a very good news and very encouraging. There's so much bad news in the public schools with all the false teaching and the weirdness going on. It certainly is good to know the good news uh, that we have here of the Bible going back into the public schools. Because, again, Greg, our public schools are a mess. So God bless these guys and so appreciate what they've done. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure too, and I, I not the easiest segue, but before sure. we run out of time, okay. to remind our listeners, I know that we've already um, we said it last week or a couple of weeks ago. We do have next uh, Saturday uh, there at the um, um, oh my goodness, my mind went blank of the of the name of the church. I'm still going to promote it. Blanked on me. I too. just went blank on it. it it's I've in, only heard it's it in, once. It's in Franklin. Here's the thing: if you call Franklin Calvary Chapel. Um, Pastor Brian will tell you where it's going to be, uh, the church, because they're renting out another Baptist church. And that's why I forgot the name of it. I had, should have had it in front of me, but I didn't plan on making the announcement. But either call the church here. So at Calvary, Calvary Chapel. Chapel is renting a Baptist church. Yes, they're in Franklin, Tennessee. And we're going to be next Saturday doing a one-day prophecy conference. And uh, just going to be having a blast. Lunch will be served. There's a small fee because there's going to be lunch that's going to be served. And it's going to be a great day just to hang out and be together. And um, again, just Is there wanna... a particular theme or? Well, you know, the, and I'm going to be covering the kind of stuff we do here on the show. Okay. And I'm going to be covering more than that, though. Kind of the basis of how to, you know, line prophecy up properly. Uh, pastor Joel, who's another pastor, a Calvary Chapel pastor out of Noonan, Georgia. He's going to be covering how to make sure you don't become a heretic, you know, whenever you're looking at things prophetically to keep it in line with the Bible. And then Pastor Brian, again, he still was kind of up 
up in the air about what he was going to be covering, so I don't exactly know what his topic is going to be. I know he'll have it nailed down before next Saturday, but it's going to be a fun day just of talking about God, the Word of God, prophecy, how to interpret it properly, and having fun together as believers there in Franklin, Tennessee. So call the Calvary Chapel in Franklin and uh, talk to Pastor Brian. He'll give you all the details. You can sign up online there um, on his website, and uh, we'd love to see you there in Franklin, Tennessee next Saturday. It'll be a lot of fun. Wow. And then uh, for those people that have not met you in person, it's an opportunity for them to meet you. That's right. And we have a men's conference here coming up uh, October 6th and 7th. Uh, here at the church. Here at the church with Pastor Randall. Uh, uh, John, John Randall. Randall. Yes, John Randall, which you hear him on our radio station. So you're invited to come to that too. The men, 18 and up. So call Calvary Chapel or go to our website. You can sign up right on the website for Pastor John and the conference with our men here at the church coming up uh, October 5th and 6th, a Friday night and a Saturday. And we'd love to see you there as well. That's fantastic. Pastor Mark, thank you so much. Can't believe another hour has gone by just like that. There you go. But you can uh, you can play us and pause us and extend your uh, stay with us by visiting thewaymedia.net and just go to Signs of the Times. You can listen to this episode again or listen to previous episodes. You can share them with your friends and you can always, again, ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question, which we always encourage you to do. Until then, we hope to see you back here next Friday as we discuss and learn more Signs of the Times right here on WIAM.